Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. We love self-managed abortion. We love self-managed abortion. I don't know how to finish that song, but we love self-managed abortion here <laughs> at Our Soul and Faith Choice Ohio. And Kelly and Terry coming at you again with a podcast in the midst of just increasing ridiculousness um, in terms of restrictions on abortion access. We've heard, of course, the latest news out of Texas, Texas that is fast becoming the laboratory for autocracy around uh, abortion rights. There is this federal case that has been brought in Amarillo, Texas. Do you know where Amarillo is? I don't either, but I do know that Amarillo, Texas is in a particular jurisdiction that has a particular judge that oversees their federal appeals that make that jurisdiction a very appealing destination for right-wing anti-abortion zealots to bring challenges that they hope, at least, will result in increased restrictions on abortion pills. In particular, the abortion pill Mifepristone. Mifepristone being the first drug in the two-drug gold standard uh, medication abortion protocol. Mifepristone blocks progesterone, by the way, and its companion pill in the two-pill protocol, misoprostol, um, helps evacuate contents of the uterus. So those two pills used together are what we commonly refer to as medication abortion. And there's a lawsuit that currently is attacking the FDA approval of mifepristone. Mifepristone, by the way, safer than Tylenol, definitely safer than childbirth, been approved by the FDA since around 2000. And now there's an allegation that has come forward in federal court saying, yeah, we really don't think it should have FDA approval. And that's a big deal because it doesn't just affect people in Texas. If this federal judge who happens to be appointed by a previous president whose name begins with a T and ends with rump, um, if that person should decide that this federal case has merit and should go through summary judgment, there's a chance mifepristone could be in jeopardy nationwide in every state, even states where abortion is 100% legal right now. So we're going to talk about self-managed abortion today because, again, we love self-managed abortion and we think it's important for everyone, especially our listeners, to have some information about SMA. Now, Kelly, some people might be asking, um, what do a couple of people on a podcast really have to do with SMA? Like, how are we in any way qualified to talk about self-managed abortion? Would you like to give a little overview as to, as to why <laughs> SMA is kind of already in our wheelhouse here at Faith Choice Ohio? Yeah, yeah. So, um, a couple years ago, I think now, is it started, like, before 2022... We're in 2023 now. So um, I think going on two years ago, uh, we got our training um, on self-managed abortion, learning how to uh, how a person would go about self-managing their abortion, as well as how to teach others about how people would go about 
self-managing their abortion. And since then, um, I think we started with once a month um, SMA trainings, and then uh, we were doing twice a month. And now, I think we've gone back to once a month, and uh, people can do requests for our SMA trainings. Um, if you want more information about our training schedule, you can check out um, faithchoiceohio.org slash trainings. Um, but we've been doing this for a while. We've had lots of SMA trainings, lots of people coming in and asking questions and just going through the process of learning uh, how a person talks about self-managed abortion. Um, you know, you may notice the way that I'm, uh, whenever I talk about a a person self-managing their abortion that has to do with the legality around uh, self-managed abortion. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of what we've done um, with our trainings and uh, it's kind of like a wheelhouse that we often are in, especially, you know, we saw this coming before Roe fell. Um, we saw coming, I mean, Roe falling before it fell. Um, and of course, I mean, it's not really a surprise to me that people are trying to attack um, Mifeprestone and, um, you know, medications that are completely safe and, like you said, Terry, safer than childbirth, safer than even Tylenol. Um, it's not surprising to me that it's happening, but um, this is kind of like the way that we've, we've prepared is just by teaching people about self-managed abortion and, you know, for Terry, literally singing the praises of self-managed abortion. Um, uh, so yeah, this, um, whole thing with Texas, uh, is not good, um, for the reason that you talked about, like this affects, you know, people in states where abortion is completely legal. Um, and, uh, that honestly, it's a little scary. So, just want to take a second to like, you know, just recognize that that can instill some fear in people. But, um, even so, uh, one good thing is that the, you know, Terry, you were saying that, um, the combination of Mifepristone and Misoprostol is like the gold standard of, um, medication abortion. Um, but for those who have gone to our medication or our self-managed abortion trainings, um, they would know that that is not the only protocol for um, a person who wants to self-manage their abortion. So even, you know, if there is that attack on Mifepristone and even if that moves through and, uh, you know, there has to be a whole reprocessing of FDA approval of Mifepristone or whatever that means, um, there are, there is still another process and um, there are still ways that a person can end a pregnancy if that is what they want. Absolutely. As you were talking, Kelly, I just went back to my little record spreadsheet because it was like, how long ago was it that we said it indeed was May 2021 that we started with SMA in Good Faith? And I checked on my spreadsheet. I have participated in either as a trainer or as a tech, uh, a tech staffer in 67 SMA and good faith trainers. I didn't realize it was that large. We were probably, given the fact that I don't do all of them, um, we're probably over a hundred and those are typically an hour to an hour and a half trainings. Um, just FYI, you'll be able to grab the show notes from this episode and see our next trainer, um, 
training session, I believe, is the 21st of February, 7 to 8 p.m. Um, but like you said, Kelly, there are at, at least two protocols that are World Health Organization approved, and we discussed both of those in our trainings. We have since the very beginning, and we got a lot of questions from people in the, the repro rights movement and in um, SMA training care movements of like, why do you worry about talking about misoprostol? You know, aren't you just confusing people if you give both protocols? And it's so much quicker just to do an info share. And you see a lot of SMA info shares and they're just like, here's the protocol. Yay. You know, let's, you know, get to it. It's 20 minutes. Our trainings um, from the very beginning have been more than an info share. It's the information. Yes, but it's the information of how you share that information with others, which sounds a little circular, but it's the process by which an individual can, without subjecting themselves to legal penalties, share information, not advice, as a person of conscience or faith, not as a medical doctor or a lawyer, to individuals. And that information sharing comes with not only the mifepristone misoprostol protocol, but the misoprostol alone. Now, just to give you a reference, the mifepristone misoprostol has a 95 to 98% efficacy when used in accordance with the World Health Organization protocols. Um, when used with WHO protocols, misoprostol alone has a demonstrated efficacy of 85 to 87%. And recent documented evidence shows there is cause for hope that that number might actually be even higher now. There hasn't been a lot of um, testing done just with the misoprostol alone because misoprostol and mifepristone are so often used together. So we're in a position where should this you know, rogue judge in Texas succeed, there's an appeals process after summary judgment. It would go to the appellate court, the Fifth Circuit, and if the Fifth Circuit held it up, it would be appealed, of course, to the U.S. Supreme Court. Not that we have a lot of faith in the Supremes these days, um, but regardless of how that process plays out, misoprostol alone is still an available protocol. The big concern, though, is making sure people have accurate information because the goal, frankly, of the anti-abortion movement is not just to stop people from actually having abortions. It's to stop people from having abortions through things like confusion or red tape or these unofficial barriers, right? Anti-abortion folks don't care if someone is denied access to an abortion because they are legally not allowed to have it or because there are just too many barriers there for the person to pursue it. They don't care as long as people get denied access. And that's why our work is so centered on making sure people have the full education and the full information that they need to make an informed consent decision around self-managed abortion if that's right for them. And I think it's, it's a powerful thing when we consider what happens when a person has authority over their own body, when they're no longer subject to the state um, in terms of subservience. Um, we end up in a position then where the quote-unquote consequences of sex, which is how, you know, any discussion about pregnancy and abortion in my childhood in abstinence-only America education in the 90s, right? Any conversation around sex 
was formed with that format. Oh, there are consequences to sex, right? There are natural biological consequences. Well, it's really kind of hilarious when natural consequences are only consequences if you don't have access to modern medicine, right? Um, the consequence of sex is that, yes, you could get pregnant, but the reality is a pregnancy can be ended, right? And it can be ended provided people don't stand in the way of effective and great medications like misoprostol and mifepristone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, one of the big things, you know, like, uh, there are, and I mean, like, naturally occurring miscarriages frequently. Like, the, it's not as if the, the only way that a pregnancy ends is through... Uh, birth or abortion but like you know there are lots of people who uh, you know have miscarriages and things like that and and there are also times when like you know we've talked about people who medically need to not be pregnant and what when I when I think about this whole thing happening and thinking about um, the combination of mifepristone and misoprostol being kind of like that gold standard what and and you know losing that access to good scientific scientific <laughs> scientific modern medicine um, is that it's just making this experience of people who either need those abortions or just well want to have an abortion it's just making their experience worse. Um, I mean like like you said um, you know the efficiency rate is a little bit lower um, but also like you were mentioning before, uh, mifepristone is the medicine that, um, stops the flow of progesterone. It, like, stops the pregnancy hormone. Um, and, uh, what misoprostol does is, uh, provides, <laughs> provides, causes, uh, contractions that expel the pregnancy. Um, and, you know, if, there's not the mifepristone. It just makes it a more, uh, more of an aggravated process when, when removing, um, or when expelling that pregnancy. I was kind of thinking of it, and this isn't like a great analogy, um, but you, <laughs> you know, like USB drives, like the thumb drives that you put in your computer, and they always say like, uh, you have to like eject it before you get <laughs> before you take it out, or else it could potentially like harm your your data or something like that I have personally ejected my USB drives multiple times without like I just pulled it out without um ejecting it um from you know on the on the computer how you're supposed to do it and uh you know when I'm thinking about this the the gold standard of taking out your USB drives is not like the best metaphor I've ever come up with but the, the best option for taking out your USB drives is to, like, click that eject, and then you pull it out. So you make sure, you know, nothing bad happens. The process does not have to be any more, you know, physically, because, um, and this is another thing that we talk about in our SMA trainings, but, I mean, the process, the actual physical process that a person goes through to have an abortion isn't necessarily pleasant. We always say at the beginning you know, before even looking at this process, the person should have a pregnancy text test to ensure that they actually are pregnant. 
because nobody should be taking medicines that they don't need, especially medicines that are going to cause these kind of contractions and like intense um, uh, cramps uh, that a person experiences when when going through a medical abortion. Um, so, like, why make a uh, you know physically hard situation worse for people? And like you said, it's it, they don't care about if it's about it being illegal or if it's about uh, it being just hard to access. And I feel like a lot of the the movement of uh, people who are anti-abortion and anti, you know, bodily autonomy is about either mis- making people misunderstand, making people have a worse situation so, like, they don't they don't want to go through with it or they maybe can't go through with it or they can't get it in time. It's just, it's, it's a like getting rid of all of the resources kind of game for them. And it's just, it's rude. <laughs> I mean, like, confuse, it's, you know, like, use <laughs> complicate. And yeah. That, that is the process. Mm-hmm. Now I've, I've got to say, Kelly, I, I like your USB um, example Um, a a lot more than you can ever imagine, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, So for those of you who are are, uh, new to the podcast, just just FYI, I have a few years on Kelly. And by a few years, I mean like... (laughs) Like I'm 162 years older than than Kelly is. I feel I feel no, like that some days, but it, no. it's a, it's a significant age difference. When I was first like introduced to what we called thumb drives back in the day, because they were the size of your thumb, okay, um, those USB drives, you had to eject them because if not, your data would be corrupted, and it was a really big deal. <laughs> like if it got bumped. Because they, they, they were really dicey things, and they only went in desktop computers because you didn't have, like, way back in the day, laptops did not come with USB ports. I mean, that was a brand new thing back in the day. So if somebody came through, like, I, the computer lab at Ohio Wesleyan University, God God help us um, in the... the um, the chemistry department, we were trying to put things on a a thumb drive. If somebody came through and bumped that sucker with their bag and it kind of like came halfway out, you were totally up a creek uh, to use a euphemism here. Like you, there, there were problems and technology got better, right? Technology got to the point to where like some engineer somewhere was like, Hey, what what would it look like if we didn't, you know, leave the susceptibility to where when people pull the thing out, like, their whole world goes to pieces, right? So now, like, you can pretty well most of the time yank that sucker out and not really have to worry too much, right? I mean, it's not ideal. All I Before we get notes from computer scientists everywhere, like, I understand it's not ideal. It's not ideal, all of you nerds. However, the analogy part that is so great for me with abortion is the fact that abortion technology has greatly changed in not just the last 10 years, but the last 50, 60 years, right? This abortion technology of mifepristone and misoprostol was not available to folks in the 1960s and 70s. And we have a real controversy um, in the movement right now for abortion rights around advocacy and the use of images that are gruesome or terrifying, particularly images around, and I'm going to say this, so just like be forewarned, 
it's a triggering idea, coat hanger abortions, right? The real struggle is there's a movement afoot within our movement to say, don't use coat hanger imagery, don't talk about coat hanger abortions, don't say the word coat hanger abortions, coat hanger abortions are not the reality we live through right now. And, you know, I hear that, and I honor that, I try to remind people, like, it's, not, it's actually not the best way to convey this. It is a really traumatizing experience that many people live through, right? I know people who I am around just about every day who in the 60s and 70s had coat hair abortions because that's what was available to them. The good news, the great good news of the gospel of self-managed abortion is that due in large part to mifepristone and misoprostol, coat hair abortions are not something that we have seen in as much of a, a proliferation or necessary at all in many places thanks to safe and effective medication abortion, right? I like to tell people mifepristone, misoprostol are the anti-coat hanger meds, right? They allow individuals to manage their abortion earlier, to manage their abortion with fewer physical consequences, and to manage their abortion with a much higher likelihood of positive outcomes in the future as opposed to what they would have had to go through in the 60s and 70s with physical abortion processes and foreign objects. All that to say, it's like the USB technology has improved, right? Abortion technology has improved, and that sends anti-abortion zealots over the edge. They are absolutely, like, losing their minds angry that abortion technology has improved and given people more control over their bodies and made it easier to make the decision that many people have wanted to make for decades, but decades ago were not able to make without some severe side effects, right? Side effects from these medications are really, really, really minute. Again, safer than Tylenol in terms of side effects. The actual process of a medication abortion not pleasant, right? Not something that like people are signing up to, you know, go on a roller coaster two or three times in a day. But as compared to other options and as compared to other kinds of medical procedures, really not that bad in retrospect and in context, right? Mm -hmm. The struggle ends up being these anti-abortion zealots will stop at nothing. Their goal is not to make abortion illegal beyond a certain point. Their goal is to make abortion illegal, to make any kind of birth control illegal, to make any system that allows a person to have control over their birthing body illegal. Because they want the state, or even better, their church. And it's always a church, right? It's not It's not like fundamentalist... Uh, I, I, I don't even know if we have like such, such a, a terminology as fundamentalist Jews, right? Or um, you know, f fun fundamentalist Unitarians. I just don't see it, right? Fundamentalist evangelical Christians, they want their government or their church to have control over birthing people's bodies. That's the end game here. It's not about Roe. It's not about, you know, setting some kind of arbitrary timeline. It's about absolutely keeping up the assault on people's bodily autonomy until there is no more bodily autonomy, right? That's why we talk about this work in the language of faith.
That's why we organize in faith communities. That's why we recognize that faith communities are going to have to be the messengers and the carriers of this culture change because we've seen the culture change in the last 50 years in ways that are not good. And it's happened because of deceptive evangelical fundamentalist religious practices. We've got to counter that. Mm -hmm. we've, got, we've got to step into that gap, especially around things like medicine. How in the world did we get to a point where people who claim faith as a central part of their, their life are advocating against advances in medical science that help people live? Think about that. how wild that is. Mm. It reminds me of, like, I feel like this is a metaphor that at least... Uh, came up a lot in church um, of like, you know, like there's a flood and uh, somebody is like trapped in their house and they're like praying to God, God save me. And then somebody comes by in a boat and says like, hey, you need to ride out. And they're like, no, God will save me. And then they like the flood waters get higher. They go higher in their house. They're like, Jesus, please save me. Somebody else goes by in like a, a helicopter or something and says like, do you need saved? No, God's going to save me. And then like all of those people coming, all of those like, li like lifelines that are sent out, that is God coming to save them and not accepting that is just like bizarre. And so like when I think of modern medicine, having access to, you know, being able to have the medical care that you need, like that is, you know, God giving you what you need you know when when people are like oh I'm gonna pray over my like like I have a I have a knee injury so like if if I say like oh I'm gonna pray over my leg that it will be healed but I don't go to physical therapy or I don't take whatever medications that a doctor prescribes me to take care of my leg or if I would have done that before I had a knee surgery like I am keeping myself from the blessings that God is offering to me um by not accessing mm. the medical technology that I have. That today. is a like, whole word. Mm. Yeah. And so like people, you know, taking away these medical options or like, I've just, I feel like this is like a common thing in uh, fundamentalist spaces. This like iffiness around medical, like medicine at sometimes like, you know, people not wanting to get, um, uh, vaccines, things like that. Uh, it's bizarre to me that like somebody would not take a vaccine saying that like it's against God when like God created people who make vaccines to save lives. So that in, in its, in the same way is God saving lives. So, so what you're really so, telling us is Mifepristone is a gift from God. Hallelujah. I, I, I think like it ha people being able to yeah. have access to those things, giving people the ability to choose for themselves what their future looks like, and also not making that uh, a more painful experience than it has to be, that is a gift Amen. from God. That is like God gifting us uh, liberation in our own bodies gifting us bodily autonomy by providing us with the medication. And so these people who are, you know, trying to ban Miffy per stone or trying to ban abortions and trying to, you know, 
take away the things that have made abortion technology better in the last, you know, 50, 60 years, whatever amount of time it's been, um, like, that is taking away God's gifts. But yeah, so uh, that's about all the time that we have today. Um, you know, if dear listener, take heart. There are still uh, options for people, um, even in the worst case scenario um, with Miffy Perstone. And uh, we will be linking in our show notes access to um, our SMA training where we talk about everything that we talked about on this podcast pretty much. Um, in more depth, um, and uh, other other things related to this. So, uh, you know, keep going because <laughs> it it can it can feel like a journey some days. But even when you know these fundamental evangelicals try to you know confuse and control and all of those other C's that uh, Terry said mm-hmm. earlier. Um, we are still here, so have a nice time and we'll be back in uh, two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org. 